I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hi, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter. Welcome to episode 118 in which I die slowly, D-Y-E, slowly. Um, I feel like I should have one of those big things in my hand that you see in movies all the time where they snap, take three, you know, and snap, take four. Um, I actually recorded a quite acceptable podcast episode yesterday and I'm going to um, just put it on the table right now. I did it only because Daisy asked me to. Um, I had said on Twitter, should I post a podcast or should I sew? And she was the very first one that got back to me nearly immediately and said, oh, post a podcast. So I did. And <laughs> and my computer uh, apparently would have rather had me sew um, because it then completely lost the file and I know why it wasn't it was a Windows 7 thing where Windows 7 tries to be very helpful you know kind of idiot proof um, and it decided to shut off my external hard drive because it didn't think I was using it and it wanted to save power and be environmental and unfortunately I record these podcasts onto my external hard drive which if you're not a computer person none of that means anything but it means that then when I was done recording my computer didn't know what to do with the file, so it just sent it away, you know, off, go west, young man. <laughs> there is an episode floating around out there somewhere, but not here. So then once I discovered it had completely lost the episode, I then spent another, I don't know, hour or so trying to figure out what had happened, finally figuring out what had happened, figuring out the fix. I think fixing it, everything seems to be going well today, although I now have an eagle eye on my external hard drive to make sure that little light stays on, and I've got my little computer window open in my um, window over my recording software to make sure that my external hard drive does not disappear in the middle of recording without me noticing it. Um, so anyway, that's all a very long bunny trail to say this is take two on this episode. And I can only hope that I am just as funny and witty as I was yesterday, because golly, it was a good one. <laughs> I can say it was anything I want, because you don't know. It's out there. Who knows? Maybe somebody on Venus is listening to it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I know it's been an awful long time since I posted last time, and I will be talking about that a little bit. Um, thank you to all of you who have left comments. I will be doing a little bit of listener feedback towards the end of this episode. Um, and thank you if you've left iTunes reviews. I've not had the time to go onto iTunes and look and see whether there's any new reviews, but anybody who has left a review in the last three years, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, I am not going to start out this episode with a Creative Bites because I am really just kind of getting back in the groove of things. So I've got some thoughts kind of free-floating in my head. They are probably about wherever yesterday's episode is <laughs> out there somewhere. Um, but it is, it's going to take me a little bit to, to get it together to get back into the swing of things. I do want to start out with an announcement. Actually, I've got a couple of announcements. One big one, one less so and then one point of interest. Then I will do a little bit of a Sandy update, and then I'm going to talk about dying, hence the title of this episode, and then I will do some listener feedback. Um, so, shall we? Okay, um, the first announcement I have to give. If you can remember way back when, in the Wayback Machine, when I posted my last episode, which feels like it was, you know, 30 years ago at this point, although it was only about three weeks, um, I was running a giveaway. Thanks to Sarah in Houston, who had graciously offered one more book for a giveaway, I had asked people to leave comments trying to convince me to learn how to knit in order to be considered for the giveaway. And I believe I had said at that time that usually I use a random number generator and I'd kind of thought I might do that again. Um, but I was also going to reserve the right to choose somebody, uh, someone's comment that I just really particularly appreciated. And 
you know what? I ended up doing that this time. Um, usually I don't like to do that. Usually I don't want to select one out of the many wonderful comments, and I did get wonderful comments. Um, but there was one in particular that just really, it kind of touched me. And I think it's because I also have a son. However, he does not knit. So the winner of the giveaway is Trisha. And Trisha left this comment. I just need to share it with you. She says, why knit, you ask? You never know. It could bring you closer to your grown son. At least that's been a side benefit for me. I am a mediocre knitter at best. My 21-year-old son decided to take up knitting to make some gifts for friends. He lives four hours away, and when he comes to visit, we've enjoyed going to yarn shops together and figuring out a new technique together. We also send pictures of completed projects back and forth. He finishes more than I do. He has become my cheerleader and I his. Truly an unexpected benefit for not giving up on knitting for me. And then she says she's very excited to be actually caught up on listening to all of my podcast episodes in time to actually post something for a giveaway. So, you know, I need to reward that um, punctuality, I guess, Trisha. But really, I just love the idea of you and your son knitting together. That is just so stinking cool. I really love that. Um, and, you know, I've got a 22-year-old son, so I really felt connected with that. Although, like I said, he's not a knitter either. You know, it's a genetic thing in our family, although my daughter is. So... <laughs> Anyway, I do want to say, Trisha, you have won the giveaway. Um, you need to be in touch with me. Unfortunately, I'm going to keep trying to dig. The way that Podbean now does comments, it connects to Facebook pages rather than giving me just your straight-up email address. And since you're not my friend on Facebook, I can't send you a direct message, apparently, without paying Facebook money now. Don't even get me started right now on Facebook. So anyway, um, Trisha, I'm going to keep trying to track you down. But if you listen to this and can give me a shout out, send me an email at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, and let me know. Um, that'll give me your email address. Let me know who you are. And then I will forward that on to Sarah and she will get your mailing address to send you that book. And you can maybe give it to your son or share it with your son, however you choose to do it. But congratulations, Trisha. I really enjoyed your comment. Um, by the way, end of the story so far, guys, none of you convinced me to learn how to knit. <laughs> I just have to say, I, I really appreciated all of your comments. Love the idea of a mother and son knitting together. Um, maybe if my son took up knitting and came to me and said, Mom, you really need to do this, maybe I would. Um, but no, <laughs> I'm still not there yet. Partly because I keep finding new things in quilting that I want to do, and they all require their own set of supplies. So there it is. Okay, the next announcement. Um, if you're on Twitter, by the way, I uh, just kind of, again, on a whim, that's how I tend to do a lot of things, <laughs> apparently lately in my quilting life, um, I I really need help staying healthy, really is what it comes down to. Uh, I have not, uh, prior to this week, I had not been getting to the gym in a very long time. Um, as you know, I'd been sick. Again, more about that in a bit. Uh, I have not been paying very close attention to my eating, although eating hasn't really ever been my biggest problem. It's always the fact that I'm on my computer all day, every day for work, and then, you know, I quilt. That's not an exactly a very um, active hobby either. So I don't get a lot of exercise naturally. I have to force myself to do it, and especially when I am in the middle of my midwinter funk, my seasonal effective stuff, uh, you know, I know that it would make me feel better if I exercised, but really, I just don't care. You know, that's what it comes down to when you're struggling with any form of depression. You know what you should be doing to make yourself feel better. You just don't really care, and you don't want to do it, and you're not motivated to do it. So one of the things I decided to do to try to help my own motivation was kind of make all of you all part of the problem, too. <laughs> I, I'd like to, you know, share my misery. So anyway, I started um, a hashtag on Twitter. And what I'm doing is encouraging everybody that every time you do anything healthy for yourself during the day, you tweet it and you tweet hashtag QHC. And QHC stands for Quilters Health Check. Um, there have been a lot of other variations offered <laughs> on what QHC might stand for, and I find them all highly entertaining. But it really originally meant to, to be Quilters Health Check, hashtag QHC. 
And anything healthy, that's not just going to the gym or getting a workout, although if you do that, great, or if you take a walk, great, or if you do a Pilates video at home, great. Um, it can be, you know, deciding to eat something healthy rather than something not healthy when you're standing staring in front of the refrigerator starving. It can be um, taking time out for yourself and just 10 minutes of doing nothing. You know, that's health too. Mental health is just as important. So it might be getting a massage, it might be getting a manicure or a pedicure, it might be getting your hair cut like I did today, finally! Um, sorry, very excited about that moment. Um, it can be anything that you feel is attending to your health in some way. Tweet it and say, hashtag QHC. And a lot of people immediately started doing this with me, and so we've got a bunch of us that are, you know, talking about our health online, and it just helps all of us, so I really appreciate that support. Um, I have gotten to the gym every morning this week, and it has felt fantastic. My workouts have not been stellar because I've been gone for a while, and I didn't want to kill myself right off the bat. So I've been, I kind of started out taking it easy on myself. But I got to give a shout out to Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner because she started talking about this app that she had just started using when she does her morning um, jogs. And I, I decided on a whim to try it out. It is. A freaking hoot. <laughs> it's really a lot of fun. The app is called Zombies Run. Zombies comma run exclamation point. And I have it on my iPhone. I think it's also available on Droid. It's probably available on most smartphone platforms. Um, and it integrates with your playlist, your music. And it's essentially a storyline. You are a character in the story um, in a sort of, you know, post-zombie apocalyptic world. And you're essentially running away from zombies. I mean, that's kind of the thing in a nutshell. But it's this ongoing storyline. And you're picking up items as you go, um, as you're running. So you've got these different missions you have to run to um, obtain, to achieve. And you're picking up items every now and then. It'll say to you, you know, you picked up a bottle of water. You picked up a pair of pants. You picked up underwear randomly. Don't know what underwear is doing lying in the middle of wherever your post-apocalyptic world is. But there it is. You pick it up. Um... And you just hear the stuff. I mean, you're not actually having to do anything while you're running. You're just listening. And periodically they'll say, a zombie's coming up right behind you. And you'll hear that, you know, <laughs> sound behind you. And it does actually make you run just a little bit faster. Um, now, it's not just for runners. It does work, I th you know, like most of these apps that track running and biking and walking and all that stuff. They're really meant to be used outside because they use GPS to track your distance and all of that kind of thing. Um, so this really is geared for that, but I use it inside on the elliptical. There's just a setting you have to do a little bit different so that it knows you're inside, not outside, and that it knows you're, um, it's using the acceler accelerometer um, of the machine, I believe. It picks up on that somehow. Uh, I did find, I've only used it for two days now. The first day, um, when I then went home and plugged it into the computer, because there's a website that you then, uh, it syncs with, um, I don't think it, it, had anything about mileage so you know it's just how much time which is fine for me i'm not looking to track my mileage i have other means by which i can do that um, but then when you pick up all these items if you go and you set up your account on the website um, then you kind of you're building a base so you're building this fort to protect yourself from the zombies so it's this really neat integration of computer game versus you know an audiobook and an exercise thing um and, it, you know, you don't have to actually run. You can do it walking. I believe even one of the characters in the app says something, as long as you can move faster than a slow shamble, <laughs> you're going to outrun the zombies. I don't, I don't remember what it is. Um, the only thing I did find this morning is normally my workout playlist, I just hit shuffle so it plays everything randomly. When you integrate it then with Zombies Run, it actually, it doesn't shuffle. So I'm getting the same songs in the same order every day. And in fact, today, something happened where about 10 minutes into my workout, it blipped off. I don't know if I hit something, you know, while I was holding the, I don't know what happened, but it blipped off. I was able to restart the mission where I had left the mission off. I didn't have to start it all over again, but it started my playlist right back at the beginning. So I heard the same three songs in the same order first. So I think what that means is if I really want to use this consistently, what I'm going to have to do is set up manually several different playlists and then every day plug it into a different playlist, which doesn't, I mean, that only takes a few seconds. So anyway, if you are 
somebody who's exercising, if you're work, walking, if you're um, biking, if you're running, if you're just on a, I shouldn't say just, if you're inside on a treadmill or an elliptical or whatever, you might want to check out Zombies Run. It is entertaining. It's very entertaining. Um, I also decided on part of my whole thing about trying to get healthier and the fact that when I talk about things on my podcast, I tend to then actually drag those things into my personal real life. <laughs> in other words, I've been doing a lot more quilting, for example, um, since I've started quilting podcasting. So I'm, I'm going on the premise now that if I talk about health on my podcast just a little bit, this is not going to become a health podcast. But if I just have a little bit of an element of that here and there, it'll stay, keep me more focused and keep me healthier. So the one little thing I'm going to do, I'm not going to be giving you health tips or anything because I ain't a doctor. I ain't a nutritionist. I'm learning all of this myself. Well, actually, I know it all. It's just a matter of doing it. Um, I do follow Weight Watchers. I like that, uh, the point system. I like the flexibility. I like their website, all of that kind of stuff. So that's the method I'm using. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's just little things here and there. For example, what I think I'm going to do, at least for a little bit, is just talk about what's on my playlist. So in each episode, I'm going to just give you a song that I'm particularly enjoying. And if you're looking for new music, maybe I'll um, mention something that you'll like. Again, not going to spend a lot of time on it, especially when it comes to music, all very personal preferences. So what's on my playlist this week? Um, the song that is pretty consistently making me just work a little bit harder and kind of bop <laughs> while I work out and get a smile on my face is a Shakira song. If you're not familiar with Shakira, um, she is a Latin singer that's very pop here. Uh, S-H-A-K-I-R-A. And the song that I'm particularly enjoying right now is um, Waka Waka. <laughs> W-A-K-A-W-A-K-A. -A -A. Um, there are there are, is a version in English and Spanish. I happen to have the song, the version in Spanish, because for me, it, you know, the words don't really matter. I enjoy the beat. I enjoy the melody. And you got to love any song that has the words waka waka in it and can make it fun. <laughs> and it does. I did finally research where the song came from because it was unfamiliar to me. And it was the theme song for a, a big world soccer championship. It was I don't think it was a World Cup but it was a world championship that was held in Africa. So the song is about Africa and you hear the word Africa in there. Um, and the video is actually pretty cool. I did find the video too. So if you're looking for a new song and you're into kind of the dance style of music and you want something fun, check out Shakira's Waka Waka. I think it's called Waka Waka Africa. Um, and then another point of interest, this has nothing to do with health, uh, but Noni had emailed me and then she tweeted it as well. And I had not picked up on this. Craftsy now has the lectures from QuiltCon, which is the quilt conference of the Modern Quilt Guild that just finished, I think, this past weekend. Um, those lectures are available as a free Craftsy class. So um, go right to Craftsy and check out QuiltCon, QuiltCon, C-O-N, um, and find the lectures. And um, I've only listened to a little bit of one because I just found this today and I was, you know, supposed to be working. So I had to put it away, walk away from the craftsy class and go back to work. But um, I'm definitely going to be checking those out this weekend. Okay. Sandy update. Yes, I was, I would say sick as a dog. I was sicker than any dog I've ever seen. Um, if you recall the last episode I posted, I had just come down with a cold, I believe that morning. I think I posted it on the first Wednesday I was sick. Um, it just went downhill from there. This was the, the most miserable I have been since I had bronchitis in 2008. I mean, <laughs> I remember that one very specifically. Um, this one, it's the cold, it's the respiratory flu. So it feels like a bad cold, but it's actually so bad. It's really a, kind of a flu thing although I didn't have a fever, um, but I did have the fatigue and the kind of achiness and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it lasted almost a full three weeks. And two over two weeks of that, it was really bad. I mean, it wasn't like I was kind of mildly sick for some of that. It, I was down for the count. And um, I did end up going to the doctor. I think it was like day 11 that I finally went into the doctor and they gave she gave me some antibiotics and she put me on an inhaler, which helped almost immediately to calm down the cough. Um, the nighttime was, was pretty bad because I can't do the inhaler at night because it, it's got, it, 
the one I'm on, we had to go through several back when I was first having allergies and going into bronchitis. The one I'm on does not cause things like racing hearts and stuff like the first couple I tried, but it still has just a little bit of that stimulant effect, so I can't use it at night. So there were, and NyQuil was just not cutting it, and I am allergic to codeine. Discovered that when I finally got so desperate, I said to the doctor, please prescribe me the cough medicine with codeine. Not only did the cough medicine not work on my cough, but I still ended up with the bad headaches the next day, which is what codeine does indeed do to me. Um, but in all of that, I finally, the first day I finally felt myself was this week, Tuesday. Even Monday, I had the day off from work. Um, I was actually, no, I'm sorry, that was last week that I had the Monday off from work this week. I did not have Monday off. Um, oh, no, I did have Monday off this week. I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember working Monday. Um, my supervisor gave me a comp day on Monday because I had this big event last week that was a conference call every night, but that's a whole other story. So I didn't work this Monday either. And this Monday, I was still feeling kind of draggy, although that was the first day I dragged my butt to the gym. Um, did not push myself too much on the elliptical, but I did do 30 minutes on the elliptical at a fairly slow speed for me. Um, just to get myself back in the habit of being at the gym. But that, that, so that day I was still pretty tired. By Tuesday, I was finally feeling like normal again. So it, that was almost a full three weeks. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody for all of your get well wishes. A lot of Twitter encouragement. I had comments on my blog. I had a few personal emails. I just really love our online community. That was really nice. So thank you so much for that. Um, I did, I didn't do much sewing while I was sick. I had a quilt retreat in there. I had talked about that while, you know, in my podcast, um, I did not end up going for the whole retreat and I didn't end up spending the night. It was fortunately only about an hour away. So I commuted. I went down a few hours on Friday, went down a few more hours on Saturday and decided by Saturday night, I knew I'd hit a wall and I just needed to stay home on Sunday. So I packed up everything and, and went back home. Um, so I did get stuff done, but I really had to pace myself. I had to take a lot of breaks. I went in and laid down at one point. Um, and then while I was home, I just wasn't getting a lot of sewing done. Um, the, the one thing I did get done was I finally got all the scraps from the Fat Quarter Shop box cut. I don't remember now if I talked about this on the last episode. I must have because I think I had already gotten it by then. Um, I ordered the 12-pound scrap box from Fat Quarter Shop. It was a lot of fun, guys. <laughs> if you're into scraps, if you're into um, donation quilts, that's what I'm going to use mine mostly for is, is making donation quilts. 12 pounds of fabric ends up being anywhere between 20 to 30 yards of fabric. And it was on sale when I bought it, plus I had a 20% off coupon or um, coupon code at the time. And so when I did the math, after I'd seen how much fabric I got and sort of added it up, I think I easily had at least 25 yards, maybe even a little bit more. Um, I think it's Jackie of So Excited Quilts had also ordered one, and she counted hers as being over 30, I believe, if that was correct. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jackie. Um, but anyway, I had easily 25 yards. And I, when I did the math of what I had spent, including shipping, I think it came out to something like $2.50 a yard. Um, most of the yardage was at least a third of a yard, you know, a chunk, a third of a yard or more, um, half a yard. There wasn't, I didn't have any that was a full yard. I had one piece that was seven eighths. Um, everything else was right around that sort of half yard, give or take. Um, they are not neat and clean half yards. You know, they're, they're the end of bolts. They're the random things where people cut it wrong or whatever. So you do a lot of evening up, um, so what I basically did is anything that was a third of a yard or over, I just folded and put it into my stash and labeled it so it's up in my stash with everything else I own. Anything that was smaller than a third of a yard, I um, cut then down into the scraps of the size that I typically use, which is two and a half inch strips if it was a full width of fabric. Because um, not all of it is. Some of it is like they were cutting fat quarters and missed a little bit, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so full lengths of fabric, I would cut a two and a half inch strip. I cut a lot of five inch squares. I cut some two and a half inch squares. I cut some two inch squares. Those are all sizes um, I either am using or plan on using. And then um, that, that was pretty much it. That's what I cut it down to. And it took me a long time to cut it down because I did not stand and do it all at once. 
um, and you have to press the fabric before you can cut it and that kind of thing. So I finally finished that up um, oh, late last week. I think I got the last one of that cut. And I've now got a lot of five inch squares and I'm really looking forward to doing some disappearing nine patches. That's what I plan on using that for. Um, and in fact, I contacted my local uh, animal shelter. We have a place here called Lollipop Farm. And um, I'm also going to be doing some machine quilting practice, some of that from uh, various craftsy classes, Leah Day's craftsy, uh, class on craftsy, and I've got a couple of other of the machine quilting ones. And I decided what I'm going to do is rather than creating all new projects for this, I'm going to make um, cat mats as uh, Pam of Hip to Be a Square makes. But I contacted my shelter to find out what size they actually want because everybody's going to want something a little bit different. So if you think you want to do something like that, contact the shelter and find out. And mine said they can use a variety of sizes, but what they really want, <laughs> I could tell she wasn't a quilter because she said feet. She said, we want something that's one foot by two foot. And I, I was like, oh my word. And I had to quickly kind of do the math. Oh wait, okay, she means 12 to 24 inches, you know, because we're so used to thinking in terms of inches. Anyway, um, so I'm going to probably be also using some of these scraps to do that kind of thing as well. And the nice thing about cats is, you know, they don't care what these things look like. <laughs> when I do a donation quilt for a human being, I want it to be cute. Cats, you know, we're the ones that want it to be cute. They don't care. So I'm just going to um, be putting some of that stuff together too. Um, I have been working on the Kimberly Einmo mystery quilt on Craftsy. So far I'm up to something like clue four and a half because I'm doing it for two colors. So I think I finished clue four for one color and I still have to finish it for the other. I'm hoping to actually get that done um, this weekend. I think there's only seven steps altogether. I don't remember for sure, um, but I would like to have the tops pieced. I figured out it's only taking me about an hour and a half a step for both, I think. It's the math I did at one point. Um, so this is a very fast project. It is geared at beginners, um, so if you're a beginner quilter you would easily be able to handle this and you might learn some techniques along the way for me, who has been around the quilting block a few times, R R R. Um, you know, it's this is I'm not learning anything. I'm just doing it for fun. It's just and it's going together very very quickly. So I plan on hopefully having the tops for those done by the end of this weekend. Um, and you know, eventually I will get back into the blogging habit. I've not been blogging much. I apologize for that. So what have I been doing? Um, here's what I've been doing. I you know. When you're down for the count and you, there's a lot of things you can't do, you, you sort of mentally grab onto the one thing you can do. And the day, I think it was President's Day, so I was supposed to have been out of town that day. Um, um, but because I was so sick, I had called my supervisor and said, there is no way I can drive for six hours and be safe. You know, I could picture myself careening off the side of the road as I completely crashed. Um and she said, absolutely. So now we've read and now I'm traveling next week instead. I leave Monday. Um, so I ended up being home and our offices were closed on President's Day. So I ended up having the day off altogether, which was wonderful. I really, really needed that. And as I was kind of crashed on the couch watching TV thinking, I really want to do something. I'm so tired of being sick, but I don't know what I can do. I looked out the window. It was just, I mean, it was blizzard. We had so much snow and I thought, I could try snow dyeing. And so I quickly tweeted Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner, who I knew from her blog had recently been, do been doing some um, snow dyeing experiments. And, you know, this is why we love Twitter. This is why we love social networking. So I tweeted her. I don't know, it was probably 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. And within half an hour, I had all of her instructions in my email. <laughs> she just immediately got on it, wrote it up, sent it to me. And by noon, I was playing. I mean, it was so much fun. Now, I already had the dyes because I, um, several months ago now, had bought the Jane Dunnewald class on Craftsy. I believe the name of the class is The Art of Cloth Dyeing. And I had already watched the whole thing back when I'd first bought it. I'd watched all the episodes, and then I had started over time kind of collecting the supplies for it. And with that class, you can buy a kit. And if you're interested in hand dyeing and don't have the supplies and you think you might take that class, go ahead and buy the kit. Do yourself that favor. Um, I priced it out. It really wasn't that much more expensive. And also they offer, um, it's a collection of six dyes and they're, it's a mix of pure dyes and mixed dyes, which you would know what that means if you've watched the class. Um, 
but it's basically six dyes that then you can blend to make a variety of other colors. So it really is a great starter set. And then part of the class materials is she gives you recipes for how to use those dyes, you know, so much of one dye and so much of another to create this third color. Um, so it's really useful. And when I priced it out, it really didn't cost me any more to buy their kit than it would have been for me to buy all the stuff separately online. And the amount of time I would have spent trying to track it all down and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. For me, it was worth it just to buy the kit. And I will say, I think somebody had posted a comment in the class where most of the time when you buy dyes, you know, from a dye supply source, you can get a two ounce bottle or you can get like a six or eight ounce bottle or something. And I think these are a four ounce bottle. So it's a nice in-between size. Two, you're going to run out pretty quickly. Eight or ten, if you're not even sure that you want to do this, that's quite a commitment. The four ounce um, jar, I have already done a fair amount of dyeing and I've still got a lot of dye left. I mean, this stuff goes a ways. So anyway, back to the snow dyeing. So I already had this kit. So I had the dyes. I had the soda ash. I had some salt, which you just use table salt anyway. And so I followed um, Sandy's directions and did some snow dyeing and really enjoyed myself. Now, the, the results were pretty good. Um, they're not as bright a color as I would like. And I think that's because I just didn't leave them in there all that long. You know, the first time you dye, you, you get so impatient <laughs> that it's hard to really wait. I think I'd left them in there about six hours, which the minimum is about four. I'd left them in there a little bit longer, but if I'd left them even longer, it would have helped. Plus, um, the way I, I had a different size of container than Sandy did, so I was sort of mentally doing this kind of sort of math. You know, the kind of sort of math that I usually do is kind of sort of close. And so I just, you know, my proportions probably weren't right. Um, so anyway, having done that, then I decided, okay, I really enjoyed doing that. I've got to go back to that craftsy class. I've got to focus on it again and really do, you know, this kind of dying. So um, uh, the next weekend or a few days later, whenever it was, I then started doing the Jane Dunnewald class from Craftsy and really doing her method of dying. I'm not going to take the time in this podcast, not even take the time, I'm not going to do Jane Dunnewald the discourtesy of describing to you in great detail what her process is. If you're interested, take her class. I'm not, you know, it's, this isn't something that easily falls under copyright, but I kind of, I live with copyright in my work life, so I tend to be careful about this kind of stuff. And I want to respect her skills and her expertise. Um, so I'm not going to describe to you the process. Um, there's a lot of different processes out there. There's a lot of tweaks of processes. Her process is probably not completely original to her, although she has tweaked it as she has worked with it, you know, over her um, career. But I will say I love her particular process. Um, and it works really wonderfully. And it's very straightforward and very easy. <laughs> it's not hard to do. Um, and other than the supplies, there's really no special, other than the dyes, I'm sorry, there's no special supplies. I did end up buying myself dedicated containers um, because you can't really use dye containers for food. And you can use a lot of, she uses a lot of um, recycled things, you know, like yogurt cups and um, cool containers and stuff. I just don't tend to keep that stuff around. I tend to recycle it immediately. Uh, so I just went out and I decided, you know, this is something... I really enjoy doing. I believe in having the right tools for the job. I believe in having dedicated supplies right where you want to use them if you've got the space because then it's faster. You know, if I've got half an hour, I can go down and start dying and not spend that half an hour messing around getting everything together. So I had, like I said, I'd taken some time prior to deciding to do this to collect some stuff. Um, and I have since, now that I've done it, I discovered some other things I'd really like to have. So I've now um, picked up some more things. Um, and I really just experimented. I had a little bit of PFD fabric in my stash completely by accident. <laughs> I had bought um, at Joann's, and I don't remember what this was for. It was a, a while back, several months ago. I had needed some white. I decided I wanted Kona white, so I just went to Joann's and picked up. They have Kona white. I, I don't know enough about Kona. And there is stuff online about, is it the same quality of Kona White as you buy in quilt shops? I don't know. I can't speak to that. But I will know, I didn't notice until I was carrying it up to the counter to have it cut, that it was labeled PFD, which is prepared for dye, um, which is a fabric that doesn't have a lot of stuff in it that your regular commercial printing fabrics have in it. So it makes it better for dyeing. It takes the dyes better. 
However, that being said, you can dye just about any fabric. Um, some you just have to prepare better than others, but even so. So that's a whole other thing. But I did have some of this Kona PFD in my stash left over from whatever that project had been. So I used some of that. I did have a not quite true white, but it was a fairly light cream um, scrap of some sort of fabric. There was no salvage on it, so I didn't know the maker or what it was from the Fat Quarter box, Fat Quarter Shop box. So I used some of that. Um, and then I had some white tone-on-tone -tone fabric in my stash that I decided I also wanted to experiment with. I know that you can dye tone-on-tone. -tone. I kind of knew what it was going to do because I've seen it done before, but, I, you know, I just wanted to play myself with doing it. Um, and so I had one piece, I think it was probably a half yard to start. It might have been a full yard, and I cut it down into smaller pieces. So all of the pieces I, were, I was dyeing were, you know, roughly quarter yard pieces so I was really cutting it down so that I'd have a lot to play with and then I did a variety of fabric manipulations which is that's how you fold it or wad it up or tie it with rubber bands to give you different patterns when you're done and the wonderful thing this is why this is a good sick day kind of thing to do you take about maybe hmm, half an hour to prepare your fabrics and to prepare the dyes and to put the fabrics in the dye and then you walk away <laughs> And can do anything else you want. In my case, I went to the couch and curled up under a quilt and read for several hours. Um, you can, you know, again, depending on the process, I let mine stay in there. It was probably about eight hours-ish um, before I rinsed them. She really does recommend 24 hours. And I'm going to be experimenting with this again this weekend. I'm going to go down tonight and get some stuff put in a dye bath so I can mess with it tomorrow night. And... Um, this time I'm going to leave it in there the full 24 hours. It's not necessarily that the color gets any more intense. The fabrics I ended up with, the, the end color was really pretty good. It's how much dye has actually saturated the fabric, how much is left, and, and it has more to do from my understanding of it. If you leave it in there the full 24 hours, it gives that dye more time to bond with the fibers, and then you're going to have less problems with bleeding in the end. What she has said several times through her class is at the end of that 24 hours, if you haven't, if you've had your proportions right, if you've not put too much dye powder in the water, um, you may not even see, you might have your dyed fabric sitting in fairly clear water. It's going to soak up all of the dye molecules from that water. And then when you rinse it out, you're not going to see a lot of color going down the drain because it's all bonded with the fiber. So I really want to experiment that and, and see if that's what works. I want to do more fabric manipulations, kind of see what other kinds of designs I can come up with. I did buy some, um, you know, squeegee bottles, the kind of bottles you see at ballparks <laughs> for ketchup and mustard, you know, with the little pointy spouts at the top, because I want to do some um, more direct application of dye rather than just full immersion. I want to lay out some fabrics on, you know, a tray or plastic or something and squirt dye over them in designs. I want to play with that. And then the other thing I'm going to play with, and this is so cool, I can't wait. I have had a spin art machine for months because I saw in a magazine, I don't remember if it was Quilting Arts or whatever, way back, oh, it had to have been over the summer, um, a thing about dyeing using a spin art machine. And so I happened to be at Walmart or Target or somewhere shortly after that, and they had spin art machines, and it only cost seven bucks. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's mine. It's coming home with me. It's been sitting in my quilting room ever since, and I haven't touched it. So this weekend, that's the other thing I want to play with is the spin art. Um, and I also want to do some rust dyeing, which is a, a different technique altogether. Um, it has You don't have to buy dyes for it. Essentially, you put steel wool and you put metal washers and other things that are going to rust on the fabric. You spritz it with water and vinegar. This was not in the Jane Dunawald class, by the way. I've seen this in magazines and everything all over, so I'm not giving anything away. Uh, you spritz it, spritz it with a mix of water and white vinegar, and then you put it in a plastic bag and leave it alone for 24 hours, and you let the metal rust. And that rust then dyes the fabric, and you get some just really cool effects from that. Um, and I'm going to play with some resists and I'm going to play with salt and, you know, just various techniques to kind of see what you can do. Uh, so this is what I'm really, this is my current, um, adventure. It, it's just really, it completely addictive. Ask Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner. She does a lot of dying. And she said when she heard I was going to start this, she was like, be careful. It's addictive. And it really is. Um, 
one of the other things I want to do this weekend is go out and buy a shelf that I can put down in the basement next to the tables I've got set up for this dyeing stuff to hold all my dye supplies. So I'm like already creating myself this studio. Um, I do have tables in the basement that I had set up a couple years back to use for basting larger quilts. But the fact of the matter is I rarely make larger quilts. Most of the basting I can do, I can do right in my sewing room on my cutting table. So I'm just, I've got plastic laid across the top of it and I'm using it for dyeing. If I ever need to baste, I just move the plastic off and I've still got the tables. So that's why I have that little part in my basement. Um, so those are my adventures in dyeing. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, and I also want to play with over dyeing. Um, and I will probably use the snow dyed fabrics for the over dye. Let me refer to, I've got a few people who had left comments, particularly about dyeing that I wanted to talk about here, but Margaret had made a comment in one of my blog posts where I was posting the pictures of all these experiments. She had said something about um, where she clearly thought that I had taken the snow dyed fabrics and over dyed them in my other dyeing experiments because I didn't like the snow dyed. Ex no, I still have the snow dyed fabrics. Those were a completely separate thing. I probably will, however, use those in over dyeing only because it's not that I don't like them. They're fine. But because they're not as saturated, because they didn't take as much of the dye, that means they have more room for more dye than some of my more saturated fabrics will. They will essentially accept that dye more readily. So I will probably use those for my over-dyeing experiments. Um, and I'm also going to use some of the other newer ones, more saturated ones, just to see how that works. So I will be playing with that as well. Um, Katie of Katie Quilt, Katie's Quilting Corner had asked me if you have to set the dyed fabric with anything to keep it from bleeding afterwards. Um, first of all, I would say don't trust any hand dyed fabric anywhere, even if they tell you it's color safe, because, it, well, even regular um, fabric, you should probably always do a test. I don't. <laughs> I'm not good at that. Um, but hand dyed fabrics more than ever. I will say, however, um, that the fabrics that I dyed, I rinsed and rinsed and rinsed and rinsed and rinsed, and then I rinsed some more. And then when it started looking like the water was running clear, I then put them in the dish, in the dishwasher, in the washing machine. Um, I do happen to own Synthropol, but Jane doesn't, Jane Dunnewald says the Blue Dawn works just exactly the same way. It's the same thing. Um, I haven't tried it yet only because I still have the Synthropol and I'm still using that, but I'll probably run out of the Synthropol this weekend and we'll start using the Blue Dawn. Um, but that pulls any remaining dye, it's supposed to anyway, out of the fabric. And then I threw it in the dryer. And afterwards, I pressed it on my ironing board with a white cloth underneath using steam. So if there was any dye left in there that was going to come out, it probably would have shown up on that white cloth and it did not. So... Now, that being said, it all depends on what you're using to dye. Every type of dyeing process and dye product works a little differently. Some inks, if you're using some inks in your surface embellishment, surface um, creation, whatever the word is, I'm losing words now, um, then some of those need heat setting with irons. You know, there's it's going to be a different method every time. The dyes I'm using, from they're from the Jane Dunnewald class. Again, I think they're called... MX fiber reactive dyes. I'd have to look that up, but I believe that's the type of dye it is. Um, these mostly you just rinse the hay out of them <laughs> and then dry them and you're pretty much good to go. There is a product called um, Retain, R-E-T-A-Y-N-E. And again, that's something you use um, in your like final wash and it's supposed to make that fabric then color fa fast. I do now own that. I didn't own it at the time when I first did the experiment. That's one of those things I've since bought. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to need it. Now, I do not use fabrics for garments. These are all going to be wall hanging, art quilts kind of thing. So washing and bleeding to me is not a huge issue. If you're going to be dyeing garments and you use exactly the same fabric dyes and same technique and everything, she in her class she talks about dyeing garments um, from thrift shops and stuff. If you're going to be doing that, then you might want to use something more like Retain. I don't know. You know, again, I'm not, I'm still pretty new at this. I'm not the expert. Um, okay, McKitty Cat had said she was surprised there was a right and a wrong side and was curious about that. And um, to confirm, McKitty Cat, what you had said, yes, the, the, the ones where there's a clear right and wrong side, those were the tone-on-tone -tone fabrics. The white uh, print on the tone on tone is that's a kind of you know whether you'd call it a paint or whatever the 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 ink that they use to 
print that tone-on-tone -tone pattern pretty much acts as a resist. That does not dye, or at least it doesn't dye as darkly as the regular fabric does. So on the right side of that fabric, um, from a traditional standpoint, the side where you see that tone-on-tone -tone print the most, it's going to be less of a saturated color because that tone-on-tone -tone print is going to come out. The back side, um, where it's you're not seeing the tone-on-tone -tone print, you're just seeing the back of the fabric, then you're going to get that more saturated color. So that was where you were seeing a right and a wrong side. I will say on my other fabrics, where there, it wasn't the tone-on-tone, -tone, it was just the straight-up fabric, um, for the most part, there isn't really a right and wrong side. However, on some of the ones where I did the more distinct fabric manipulations where there were a lot of rubber bands or whatever going on, so there were a lot of rings, some of them, if you looked really closely on one side, the edges of the rings were just a hair more sharp than on the other, but a casual observer wouldn't see any difference. So there's really not a right and wrong side in that case. Um, let's see. I think those were the only specific questions about dyeing. So that's what I'm working on right now, and I'm just having a blast. Um, I also want to do more experimenting with resists. I've been doing a little bit of looking in that. Uh, Jane Dunnewell does not talk as much about resists. She talks about them just a little bit in her craftsy class. She does talk about them more in her book. Um, I did buy her book. Can't remember the title of it and forgot to bring it up. Again, when I recorded this episode last night, I said the same thing. Couldn't remember the title of it. Thought I was going to go grab it. Said to myself this afternoon, I'll have to remember to go grab that book so it's sitting next to me when... I do the podcast, and of course, I forgot. So I don't have the book. I will post it as um, a link in the show notes to the episode, so you will have that information. Uh, her book is definitely worth buying. You know, it's not like her class just repeats the book. I have had that with some other craftsy classes where I've taken a crafts. I bought a craftsy class from an author I knew well, and found that oh, a lot of that is in the book I already own. Um, there is still value to the classes. I haven't had a class yet that I thought was not worthwhile in Craftsy. Um, but in this case, in the Jane Dunnewald class, her book goes into far more detail on for, far more different kinds of techniques than her class does. Um, I have also bought the class from Craftsy on wax resist in fabric dyeing and can't remember. The, the woman's name is unusual. Marka or something like that. I don't remember the name of it, but it's Wax Resists Patterning or Wax Resist and Fabric Dyeing or something. You'll, you would find it if you just look that up. Um, haven't started applying with that yet because I don't have any way to ma uh, melt wax and I don't own any of the, the waxes she talks about. So that's something, again, I'm watching it now and I'm going to start building up the supplies. Um, but there's other ways to do resist that I have done. And I'm also going to start doing discharge. And discharge is where you take the color that's in there out. Um, I've started playing a little bit already with a Clorox bleach pen, and um, a couple days ago I picked myself up some soft scrub with bleach, because you can use that as well um, to, to do discharge on fabrics. And again, the process is not difficult. There's a couple little tricks to it, a couple little things you need to know. Um, and again, I don't think she talks too much about that in the class, Jane Dunnewald. I don't think she talks about that too much in the class. She might touch on it. Um, but it's in her book, and it's in other um, fabric manip or fabric. Uh, yeah, I'm losing words. Creation. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Other books about doing this kind of thing that I own. Um, so those are all things I'm going to be playing on. So you will be probably hearing reports on that. As to what I'm going to do with all these fabrics, who knows? Eventually, I will do something. I plan on doing something, um, but not there yet. I'm just having too much fun creating them. So let us move on to listener feedback. I want to say thank you so much to everybody who has commented, everybody who's been emailing me. I've already said a couple people did email me specifically while I was sick, telling me they hoped I got better. Um, I unfortunately, because it has been so many weeks and because I didn't even do listener comments on my last episode, I discovered after I had done the episode, um, I have far too many comments in my inbox to name everybody by name. I really apologize, but it would take too long. Um, just accept my um, gratefulness and my thanks and know that I really enjoyed reading all of the comments. Um, a note about the future. This is going to be tricky. 
Podbean has changed the way they do comments, so I no longer get notifications. I have to actually go to my own website to see my comments, unless I want to become a Facebook app developer, which I've sent them a very heated email about. It's a whole long story, but that means um, if you have a comment, I might start doing comments on my blogger blog instead. I'll keep you posted. For now, go ahead and post on my Podbean show notes. I will go and find them. Um, but there might be changes coming down the pike because I am not about to become a Facebook app developer. Uh, okay, listener feedback. Tanisha, this is not actually listener feedback. Tanisha had asked in her most recent podcast, she had called out me and Pam of Hip to Be a Square, particularly because she knew we had both sent stuff to Long Armors, uh, to Quilt. And so she was asking um, us or any of her listeners to give any information about sending things out to Long Armors. Pam then did respond in her most recent podcast to Tanisha and has talked about sending things out to a Long Armors. Um, so, uh, you know, I would say ditto. <laughs> pretty much everything Pam does, you know, I pretty much do. Um, Pam does a great job not only talking about how you should prepare for a long armor, but why, why these things are important. It's not just kind of random preferences. There, There's real reasons about the mechanics of a long arm quilt machine about why you need to have certain things done. And Pam does a fantastic job explaining that. Um, the one thing I, I will say, it, and Tanisha is mailing hers out, and I have never mailed mine out, so I can't speak to that. Pam does address that. I will say when I send, when I take my quilts to a long arm, I iron everything first because most of the time they've been folded on my <laughs> shelf for a little while before I get around to taking them. So I make sure everything is pressed and as wrinkle-free as possible, both the um, top and the back. And then I fold them loosely and lengthwise as much as possible, and I hang them over a hanger. Um, I'll hang the backing first and then the top over the top of it, both on the same hanger. And then I drape a plastic or I pull a plastic bag over the whole thing to protect it while I'm driving it. And I do that in order to try to keep as few creases in there as possible. So this may be something that most of you already know, but in case you hadn't, ever done a long arm thing before and you're thinking about taking one, that's just a little tip I have found um, that helps me when I'm bringing quilts to long arms um, to try to keep as few wrinkles in there as possible. I know that when you stretch the, the quilt out on the um, long arm machine, it really should pull most wrinkles, but if you've got a really deep crease in there, you're still going to see it after it's been quilted. So um, I just make sure I've got everything pressed, neatly folded and draped over a uh, hanger. Other than that, you know, Pam really did cover pretty much everything. Um, I would echo lint roll your quilt and check it for all the spray, th spray, stray threads and everything so that nothing shows through um, the top when it's done. And good luck, Tanisha. I'll be interested in, in hearing about your experience after you've got it done. Uh, Loretta had left a comment that's um, on one of my 30 Questions Thursdays blog in which I talked about the fact that my dad had built our house by hand, quite literally. She said her dad sounded like mine and her house was never really finished either until the whole thing burned to the ground and they got insurance money for a new house. And, um, you know, it, it's not, I don't want to say I was laughing about your parents' house burning to the ground because that's a horrible thing to have happen. Um, and I'm sorry they had to experience that. It did sort of make me chuckle in my own response, however, because I have to tell you, there were several times after my mom had also passed away. My dad died first, and then my mom passed away. And so my sisters and I were getting the homestead ready to go on the market, and it still was not finished. <laughs> there were still a lot of issues. There were definitely times when my sister and I joked about just torching the place. That would have been easier. Um, but we didn't, and we did get it sold to someone who presumably like to fix her upper. Um, Michelle, in reference to me being allergic to codeine, suggested Delsim, D-E-L-S-Y-M. And I will say my doctor might have gone there, had, you know, might have given me Delsim, except um, I was so desperate at that point, I said I was willing to give codeine another shot because my allergy to codeine had been on my medical records since I was 16. And it's not a severe thing. It was just getting headaches. And so I kind of thought, well, you know, that was when I was 16. I haven't had it since, maybe at 47. I've outgrown that, so I was willing to give it a shot, and no, I definitely woke up the next day with headaches, so um, codeine is off of my shelf altogether. Mary Ann asked where I ordered PFD fabric from, and again, PFD stands for prepared for dye, 
Um, and again, Joanne will sometimes carry that PFD Kona White, um, but you do have to check to make sure it's the one marked PFD and not the standard Kona White. Now, that being said, standard Kona White would also still dye. You can still dye it. Um, you would just maybe want to wash it uh, more thoroughly, you know, whatever. I don't know what the difference really would be. Um, and it may just matter what kinds of dyes you're using. Some might be more sensitive to, to that than the others. Um, but when I then used up all the fabric I had in my stash that I was willing to dye, because, you know, I kind of want some white fabric in my stash to stay white, uh, I did go back online and I have ordered PFD from um, Dharma Trading. Dharma Trading is sort of the go-to place for dye supplies and, and dye fabric. And that's D-H-A-R-M-A Trading. And I can never remember their website because I always think it's Dharma Trading Company, but it's not. It's also, it may not be Dharma Trading Co. It might just be Dharma Trading. I will look that up and that'll be a link on the show notes as well. Um, I ordered three different types of fabric and two of them are cottons that I wasn't entirely sure which one might most closely mimic the cotton I'm used to working with on my shelves. And so I ordered two different types thinking, well, this will be a great way to learn. And when they came, they're not labeled. So I don't know which one. <laughs> is which and I don't know enough to be able to just tell by feel so I might take them I've got some friends that do a lot more garment sewing than I do and when you garment sew you use a lot more different kinds of fabrics so I'm going to take these to them and say okay can you tell by feel you know which one is which and then the third fabric I got is silk um, and there's a variety of silks on the Dharma site and I don't remember now I'd have to look at the list to see which one I ordered but I really, really want to play with dyeing silk. Um, I just think that's going to be so cool. So I'm experimenting with that one too. Um, let's see. Jay had commented about doing Easy Street again so it doesn't haunt me. And I have to say it actually doesn't haunt me. I'm not losing sleep over this. I'm not angry. I'm not feeling frustrated. I'm not, you know, I don't even look at that as, oh my word, that's the worst quilt I've ever made. I've made worse. Um, I just, it's not one that I love. And I'm okay with that. I don't have to love every quilt I ever make. And frankly, I've got too many quilts in my head to make me want to go back and repeat one. I have two different designs, quilt designs, in my life that I have repeated. And that was only because I kept giving the first ones away and I wanted to have one to keep myself. So, no, Jay, I understand your point. Not going to do Easy Street again. I've just got other things I want to do. And I don't feel the need to exercise anything or learn anything different from that. I can learn what I would learn from doing that again by doing other quilts. So that's, yeah, not going to do it. Um, Daphne did say that the Quilters Newsletter iPad edition is free. This is in response to the episode I did about um, digital magazines. I have actually, and, and let me clarify that, the Quilters Newsletter iPad edition um, app is probably free, but you still have to buy the magazines. You're not going to get the magazine for free. Uh, some magazines, if you are a print subscriber, you get the digital version for free. Most now, you choose one or the other. Um, you don't get one for free if you're already paying the other. I am actually in the process for several subscriptions just switching fully over to having the digital version. I'm, I'm really kind of, the more I'm using them, the more I'm going in that direction. Uh, the, I've tried out several more. The only ones I will say right now that I've tried, and I've, I've still got more to try, and because more are coming out every day, uh, the digital version of Machine Quilting Unlimited and the digital version of Modern Quilts Unlimited, which are done by the same company, um, are really clunky, really clunky. I'm, I was very disappointed because I love Machine Quilting Unlimited as a magazine, and I've decided I am going to subscribe to it in print. Um, Modern Quilts, I've, I've only looked at half of one. I haven't really looked at it, so I don't know if that's one I would subscribe to normally. But their digital versions are web-based, so when you buy the magazine, it opens it up as a web page rather than downloading it to your iPad, which means you've got to be on the web to read it. And I did not notice. Now, I didn't spend a lot of time with it yet, and I'm going to go back and do it more this weekend. I did not notice anywhere where you could download it, but if you do download it, likely it's going to download as a straight-up PDF, and that just bugs me when that happens. So I was very disappointed, and the whole interface was just... It was not intuitive. It wasn't easy to use. So at this stage, I cannot recommend either of those in the digital form. I can in the print form. Great magazines cannot um, recommend the digital form. Um, let's see. 
uh oh and daphne also sent me a great email about mystery quilts and retreats a while back i really appreciate that it was a very long email i'm not going to respond i'm not going to read it here um I just wanted to say thank you, Daphne. I really love it when anybody takes the time to send me those longer emails and tells me stories and I get to read them, you know, and enjoy them. I really appreciate that. And I apologize if anybody else sent me longer emails that I'm not calling out by name now. I really was barely functioning <laughs> for those two and a half, three weeks. So I've probably missed some people. Um, so that's it for this episode. I, again, appreciate your patience and I will be hopefully back on a regular podcasting schedule, although I said that last time. Um, so that's uh, that's it for now. You know how you can be in touch with me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitter Pinterest, Goodreads, um, Flickr, Big Tent, uh, Thread Bias Craftsy, all of those other places. I'm Sandy Quilts in all of those places all of those areas. Um, you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook or the Flickr group or join the Big Tent Quiltcast supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and you will find links for all of that and more information even than that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And so until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 